Okay. Well, you guys are lucky. I prepared a, a shorter lesson this week. We're going to be doing basically chapter 9, which uh, in our book, Spiritual Disciplines, this is an unusual, this discipline's a little different. We're going to be talking about fasting this morning. Yes, I am going to be talking about fasting. Um, as Jacob Moore said, that would be an unironic lesson. Um, but the truth is, is that fasting um, is a spiritual discipline. And I don't want to, you know, we'll get to it, but the truth is, for those of you who read the chapter, fasting is mentioned more in Holy Scripture, more times, than is baptism. We just celebrated a baptism this morning. It's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. So this is something that there is considerable um, Scripture on, and we ought not to neglect it. And I think it can be a blessing for all of us. So, just to start off with, there are many kinds of fasting, okay? And many cultures do fasting for many different reasons. Let's, let's clarify here. Let's delineate just a little bit. We're talking about biblical fasting, okay? And Whitney had a concise definition I kind of liked. There are kinds of fasting that deal with doing without something that gives you pleasure, okay, that are not food Based, But primarily, primarily what we're going to be talking about today through Scripture, and here's Whitney's definition of fasting. Fasting is a believer's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. So, we see here right away, one reason I like this definition, it shows you what has to happen for it to be a fast. You have to be a believer. You have to be of Christ. You have to be regenerate, you know, regenerate in Christ. You have to have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. If a person on the street who does not know Christ, they can fast, but can they fast in the manner prescribed in Scripture? No, they cannot, okay? Because we could come up with a lot of different ideas um, about how to fast, but you have to be a believer, okay? Also, it's not compulsory, okay? If, if, if uh, you grab another believer, you know, and lock them in a room and give them nothing but water for three days, yes, they're fasting, but it's not voluntary, okay? And also, and very importantly, it has to be for a spiritual purpose, okay? Um, and again, this is different, it's so different. We're going to talk about this from a lot of the spiritual disciplines um, because it's not mentioned as much today as many of the other disciplines, okay? We talk a lot about prayer. We talk a lot about scriptural intake, rightly so. Um, but for some, for some reason, and there are different reasons, but our culture is not big on fasting in, in this way. There's this, uh, it's actually funny, fasting today, if you look up fasting in our culture, fasting has kind of been appropriated by the like health and wellness crowd. If you look up fasting, you're gonna see about like, lose weight from fasting, uh, intermittent fasting to reset your metabolism and heal your diseases, okay? So that's not what we're talking about, not by a long shot. But there is fasting out there, but the, the, the cultural fasting has become like, I'm doing a seven-day juice cleanse, you know? Where is Jeremy? You know, he's, he's in the other room, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, but that's not what we're talking about here, okay? It's rarely mentioned in our churches or society today in the West to do religious fasting, um, it's not part of our culture, and I think one of the objections to it is we don't want to look odd. Um, it's maybe a kind of an, we think of it as sort of an obsolete thing. Do we pray? Well, of course I pray. Do you fast? Mm, 
seems kind of old-fashioned, a little weird. Um, and we also have this, uh, but I, I wouldn't argue that it's, we think of it as obsolete. I would say that fasting is the closest thing to a secret weapon that we have in this book covering the spiritual disciplines. Not because it's secret, just because it's underutilized, right? So it may be something that is available to us that we have not seriously considered heretofore. Like, I'm sure many of us thought, you know, we need to pray more, that sort of thing. But here's something we may not have considered that could greatly aid us in many of our um, spiritual walks. Um, Oh, and here's another one I just want to throw out there. Here's a common objection. Um... I won't be able to do it, sort of like anxiety. Or how about this one? I'm worried. And by the way, what about a doctor's warning? I mean, you know, here in the, here in the West, you know, every diet, every workout program, every physical endeavor has a little, you know, attorney's thing on the bottom telling you, you know, by the way, if you're not healthy, don't do this or talk to a doctor first. And there's something, there's something very Western and very individual if the first thing you ask is like, am I exempt does that apply to me? I might be that person who can't. That's a very individualistic, Western, you know, sort of thing. Be like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I probably don't have to do that. But as we'll see, fasting is a normal thing when it's referred to in the New Testament. So I'm not saying that there aren't people that can't fast. I'm just saying that when you look at it scripturally, the preponderance of evidence is that it's something that should be regular and normal. Didn't say it wouldn't be challenging, but that's part of what makes a fast work. So um, here's the first question I've got, because let's just get right out here with it. This is unusual stuff. What, would, what questions or concerns would be something that maybe you personally or someone else you've talked to would keep you from entertaining the idea of a fast. If you have a legitimate medical reason, if a doctor has told you absolutely do not do this, that's, we don't have to talk about that. But what are some other like anxieties or worries or thoughts that might keep believers today from saying like, yeah, I will try a true spiritual fast, a godly fast. What would keep people from doing that? Zach. Made your way walk all the way to the back. <laughs> um, every now and then I've thought about fasting, and usually the first two things that come to my mind are, I'm going to fall asleep during work if I don't eat for, you know, say, 24 or 48 hours or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's hard enough to stay awake anyway. Yes. And yes, if I don't is. have food, that could be a big problem. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, if anyone's ever heard of, like, hangry, you know, how, like, if you don't eat or if you're kind of hungry, sometimes you get a little irritable. Yes. Like, sometimes my kids push my buttons enough as it is that, you know, having a normal level of food, it's like, man, if I'm, like, you know, n- don't have very much food, I'm feeling tired from that, I might really snap at my kids. So Amen. it's just for those, like, practical things Amen. of, like, yeah, it's very- how would I, like, do my normal life well yeah. Yes, amen. It's, it's a pragmatic, practical concern. How will I get through the day? How will I accomplish my tasks if I cannot, you know, do this? Um, other, other concerns, other questions, um, reasons that one. this might be difficult. I've always, I've, I mean, and you may be getting to this later in the morning, but I'm always concerned about if I'm at work or someplace, 
I eat every meal that's set out in front of me. So if I'm at the office and I'm suddenly not eating lunch, mm-hmm. that could draw attention. And, you know, yes. I've always kind of been weird about drawing attention to me not eating because that would be yes. abnormal for people mm-hmm. to see. Yes. And again, it's not a cultural thing. We always, whether it's at work or at home, we celebrate stuff with food. And, and I think that it is commendable that you know that it's not supposed to be, you know, a very ostentatious display. Everyone's not supposed to be like, ooh, someone's fasting today, but we'll get to that. That's a practical concern. How do I get through my day and get past all these meals and social interactions without it? That's a good question. That's a good question. Bennett. Since I take lots of medicine, and if I don't eat something... Uh Um, I take a lot of medicine, like over 2,000 milligrams, mm-hmm. um, I will get very drowsy and sleepy. Yes, and that is a good, and that's what I'm talking about, a, a medical reason. We're not talking about that. If, if, if you take medication or if a doctor has told you not to, I think it is good and right for you to do exactly that, Okay. I think that's a good example. Uh, I wasn't finished, actually. Um, my mom, um, my doctor, and in the Bible also refers to eat because you're if you're not healthy. It says in the Bible that you need to get food in your stomach or else um, you could get very sick. And I think, thank you, Bennett. I think some people are worried about getting sick. Um, It's just kind of like maybe they've never tried it before, and they're just like, "Will I be okay? What will I feel like? What will what will happen to me? Is it is it, you know, will will I will something awful happen?" And and I think uh, these these are these are good concerns you guys have raised here. There's common things I hear. Um, So these are things that might attempt us, might keep us from attempting a fast. These are things. or sort of cultural objections that we have or, or things that might be a, a special challenge. Um, but let's get right to the scripture here and let's um, kind of go with the book here for a few minutes and talk. Um, what's that? Oh, uh, yes. Yes, we are. We're in uh, The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney, chapter 9. And um, we have some back in the bookstore, too. I think they're still in stock. For sure. No, that's okay. And talk to me after. We can talk about getting you one. Okay, Bennett? Thank you. Um, so, Scripture mentions, we have a wide variety of examples throughout Scripture. Different kinds of fasts, Old Testament, New Testament, different lengths of time, uh, different things that are abstained from. And, and I think the book... Um, parses them out in a way that's useful. You don't need to remember all these terms, and we're going to go through this pretty quickly, but here are some different kinds of fasts that are mentioned in Scripture. There's what Whitney calls normal fasts, which is where you abstain from food but not water. This is the most commonly, this is the most normal one in Scripture. We see this one a lot, and I've got some references in there, examples. So that's a normal fast. There's a partial fast where you eat less food or maybe you eat a limited diet. Think of Daniel, okay? I don't want to eat the king's food. I want this simple diet, all right? Or uh, John the Baptist, locusts and wild honey, <laughs> you know, a restricted diet. That's a partial fast. 
There are absolute fasts mentioned in the diet with no food or water. There are another type of fast is supernatural fasts. Do not attempt to replicate a supernatural fast. I'm talking about like Moses on Mount Sinai for 40 days. Don't think that that one outside of special intervention by the Holy Spirit is going to be possible. So there's private fasts. Um, private, like Jamie was talking about, that's the kind of fast where you do not try to um, be noticed by others. Um, and we're going to read from Matthew 6 here in just a minute, but um, that, that's a private fast. It's between you and God. You want God will know you're fasting, and you, we should not desire that others notice us, okay? Because, remember, this is a spiritual fast. This is not to gain admiration from those around us. There are congregational fasts, when a church fasts together. Um, The example I have from Acts is before sending out men to do the work of the Holy Spirit, the church would fast. Um, Oh, and here's a a good uh, anachronism. We have national fasts, where a people or nation would fast. A whole people group or a whole nation would fast um, for protection, um, from enemies, for repentance. Um, <laughs> and how's this for, like I said, American presidents used to do this. They would call on people to fast. Abraham Lincoln, I think the book said three times during the Civil War, called for fasting for the nation. Adams and Madison. So, I mean, this, this was a part of our culture. It's not now, but that used to be something that even um, secular um, leaders of our country would do. So these different kinds of fasts. There's also throughout Scripture, there are regular fasts. We see many of these in the old Mosaic Law, uh, Day of Atonement, that kind of thing. And there are also um, occasional fasts, which is more spontaneous. It's in response to something. A a circumstance arises, a a need arises, a sickness arises, and there's fasting involved um, for that. So another question I just kind of have here is, as we're talking our way quickly through these different kinds of fasts, I want to get to the how-to and the why. Um, Have any of you guys, it's rare enough, have any of you ever known someone who really developed this spiritual discipline and who was willing to share it with you? Have you you known anyone who was a diligent practitioner of biblical fasts? Yes. Yeah, years ago, I used to work with a gentleman who was from Egypt. And he was Muslim. Uh-huh. And I went on the first job with him at a job site. And I was up there with him for probably two weeks. And all he ate every meal was French fries. And I questioned him about that one time. And he said he was fasting. Uh-huh. There were certain, certain meals he couldn't eat. Uh-huh. And then there was other times that come up he wouldn't eat at all for three or four days. Mm-hmm. And then they would, uh, usually it would happen just before a weekend. Mm-hmm. And then they would, their church would... Uh, go in and they would cook up these huge meals mm-hmm. and on the weekend they would just splurge on all the, all the meals, all the food that was there. But he fasted probably, I'm going to say five, six times a year. Okay, okay. I know, I know that, uh, I know that um, practitioners of Islam, uh, many of them, I think it's the Ramadan fast, um, you might be familiar with that. that and uh, again, there are other religious traditions that certainly do it. Um, that would, that would count. Does anyone else have an example of someone you may have known um, who, who was a regular practitioner of fasts or who did it in conjunction with prayer? That's, you know, 
It just, I, and maybe, and maybe, maybe you don't know anyone, or maybe, maybe that illustrates just how rare it is that Christians really develop that in this day and age. But um, yes, question. Sorry. Go ahead. So I am very fascinated in fasting. Is this like a Jewish holiday? A holiday they do? Uh, yes, Bennett, there are Jewish fasts in the Old Testament, both ceremonial regular ones that sort of on the calendar fasts and uh, fasts that were proclaimed during times of national emergency, that sort of thing. Um, and, and again, I, I'm not going to read through all the references. How long do you have to fast for? Is there like 42 hours? No, there is not. And we will get to that. Jesus is absolutely silent as to how long or how often you are to fast. So, Are you going to talk about it in this um, um, teaching lesson? Yes, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that more of the how-to here. In I'm just sorry, a I'm, I'm very fascinated because I have a roommate who is Jewish. Uh-huh. And she talks a lot about her religion. Mm-hmm. And she has mentioned about fasting. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe some of the stuff we cover will intertwine with that. You'll have to let me know. But uh, anyway. I'm uh, sorry. I'm just fascinated. I'm glad. That's okay. So, yeah, no, the Jewish people, there are Jewish fasts. Um, uh, Muslims fast. Um, obviously, there are traditions of Eastern religion that are fasting, but specifically Christian fasting. And maybe, like I said, maybe the fact that most of us may not know a ton of people that are avid fasters is, is something, again, this is as close to a secret weapon as you can find in the spiritual disciplines because it's mentioned a lot in Scripture, and yet we don't do it much. So from my mind, it's kind of an untapped resource, okay? So, um, and here... The next part here is really just, I, I want to read through Matthew 6 some, um, because I talked about how it's supposed, fasting is supposed to be a normal thing, okay? So I just want to start in Matthew 6, and I'm going to read um, a couple selections through here. Um, Matthew 6, verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. And moving back up to earlier to verse 2, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And now we skip down to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So here we have in the same chapter part of the normal life of a believer, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. The exact same language. So it's, it is not supposed to be perhaps as exceptional as we make it. It is, it is a normal part of the, um, it is assumed that believers will fast. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus does not tell us how often we have to fast or for how long, but 
within this context, it's as normal a part of being a follower of Christ as is giving, as is praying. But again, giving and praying get more attention in our culture. Matthew 6 also gets into the how-to of fasting, which is, um, is, is, is good to have. There are guidelines, as Jamie spoke about earlier, um, the desiring of praise or notice from others um, is, 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 the big, is a big problem we may face with fasting um, because we feel like we're, we're working at something that's difficult and not everybody does it, and I just want to be seen for doing the good thing that I'm doing. And it doesn't even say that for those who are noticed by others that there will be no reward. It just says that being noticed by others is now your only reward, okay? I was fasting. I had this spiritual goal in mind, and I wanted to fast so my prayer life would be more intense, and, and I just felt like I was doing really well, and I shared it with someone, and they're just like, oh, wow, that is so cool that you are fasting like that. You just got your reward. And... And that reward is not the reward you were originally seeking, right? And we all fall into that trap because we all want to, you know, be noticed for the things that we're doing. Um, but we do, what we want is God's reward, okay? So we're blessed to have so many biblical examples of this how to fast. Um, but no matter whether how often you do it or whether it's long or short, or whatever format you, you know, it may take, um, and it... If, if I'm fasting and someone else finds out, that doesn't automatically mean that I no longer have any spiritual reward. What matters is if in my heart I desire their approval, okay, and I'm after it, and I kind of, I drop some little hints, you know, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm fasting, you know, I'm a pretty holy guy, then their, whatever admiration they give me is my full reward. That's not what we want. We should seek after God's reward. And that's very encouraging that right here in this how-to in the New Testament, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So we literally have a promise of blessing if we practice this discipline. Also, um, Whitney makes the point in the book, which I really like, we should fast for a purpose. It must have a spiritual purpose. It would not be impossible for a fast to become an end in of itself where um, we just count down the time to when we can eat again or, or whatever, you know, we're giving up and we get to that point and we're just like, I did it, I did really well, I feel like I maybe earned a little something here. Um, fasting has nothing to do with earning anything from God. We're not suffering to earn God's favor. It's not a hunger strike until we get what we want. God owes us nothing. And we can earn nothing from God. But we have a promise of His blessing for those who fast. It is important to remember that this is for a spiritual purpose, okay? And it is not, it, 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 it speaks of our longing, of our desire for God. And, and it shows us how it, fasting helps us focus on something, and we're going to talk about different ways that this could be useful in your, in your spiritual life. Um, I think that Whitney's list is a good one. That's 10 things there. We'll, we'll move through them pretty quickly here at the end. But um, again, it's not, we're not doing this to earn favor from God, and it's not to try and force God to, to change his mind. Um, 
So we'll move right on here before we get to a little more application. Ten biblical reasons to fast that we see in Scripture. So these are models that we have. One is to strengthen prayer. This is one of the most common reasons we see for fasting. Think, um, well, I, I, this quote by John Piper I really like. He said, fasting is an intensifier of spiritual desire. If we're, here's how this model would work. I want to pray more. I want to pray more deeply. I want to be more focused. So I commit, I pray, God, I want to fast for a day, let's say, with no food. And as I move throughout that day, the hunger that I periodically feel tears my mind away from whatever's concerns are around me, the worldly stuff. And I think, oh, I'm hungry. Man, I wish I could eat today. No, I'm not eating today. Why am I not eating today? Because I've dedicated today for prayer. And when I think that, then I pray and I take action. And then I get caught up in other stuff. Things get busy and things roll on. And then, you know, whoo, man, I would usually have a snack right about now. Nope, I'm not doing that today. It's kind of uncomfortable. But why was I doing that? That's right, so I can pray. And you pray, okay? And it intensifies that desire and it reminds you, why am I doing this? You know, so to strengthen prayer, that would be a, a simple model of how um, that might help focus us um, toward our, our, our goal of having stronger prayer. Um, another reason, to seek God's guidance um, during a time when you don't know what to do, um, it would, be this, it would be the same kind of a thing. Just I'm, I'm going to dedicate this day, and I'm going to pray about it, and I'm going to think about it, and, and just, God, I, I'm, I'm seeking you in this, and I know that faithful men and women in your scriptures have sought you in prayer during times like this, and that you were faithful to provide answers. Um, and, God, I just pray that you would give me wisdom to know what to do. And um, another thing about fasting is it's very humbling, okay? It, it is humbling to purposely put yourself in a somewhat less comfortable or weaker state. It is the opposite of saying, I want to be fully charged, fully caffeinated because I need my strength to get through this. Total opposite of that is saying, I will do without because I need God's strength. So that's tough, Okay, because that is not worldly wisdom. The world would say, you got a tough day tomorrow, you get a good night's sleep, you know, you get up early and look good, you know, load up on your latte, you know, and you just hit that day hard. The, uh, the whole idea of purposely restraining yourself and leaning on God humbles us in a way that's very countercultural. Um. Another reason that we may find ourselves uh, fasting is to express grief. Um, it's a way of communicating our grief to God. And uh, it could be grief over loss, grief over sin. If it is grief over sin, remember this is not penance, okay? This is not like, oh, I'm just going to make myself feel really bad. Um, you know, I'm going to kind of flagellate myself a little here and feel awful and I'll earn some, you know, some kudos or forgiveness from God. No, our forgiveness comes from the cross. But it is a biblical way of expressing grief and um, it may help us in being flippant with some things that we might uh, say I sin and I say I'm sorry for my sin, but I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry once, I'm sorry and I'm done. That's very different from saying I'm going to set aside a time to completely focus on how sorry I am for that sin. 
totally refocuses the mind, right? This is not, oh, I'm sorry I said that and I'm done. It's like, I'm sorry for a period of time. And now when I feel hungry, it's like, why am I not eating? To, I'm, I'm not eating because I'm um, expressing grief over my sin. And God is faithful. I mean, there's forgiveness there, but it is godly to be grieved over one's sin. Um, Another reason we talked about earlier with some of the Old Testament examples, we may fast to seek deliverance or protection for, from any one of a number of circumstances. Um, we see that in the Old Testament. Um, another reason to fast is to express repentance or a returning to God. Um, we've gone through a lot here. I'm going to read you guys an example from Joel just to kind of show what this would look like. Joel 2 12, not 20. Um, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. So we see here that God prescribing it, you know, you know, turn back to me, turn back to me and signify it with a fast. This is, you know, this is, a, this is a, an example of, you know, maybe, maybe there's a sin you've been struggling with for a long time and you want to turn, you turn away from, and, and it's just, it's, it's, been, it's been at you, it's been at you, it's been at you and you're like, God, I want to I turn back to you, I, I repent, I want to turn away. So I'm going to dedicate this fast to you. And when the hunger comes, or you feel like, man, all my friends are going to get Burger King for lunch, and like, why, why am I not having a, a burger right now? And you're like, because I'm turning away from a sin. And if you don't think that's going to focus your intensity on how serious you are about giving this up, I submit that maybe we should try it, okay? It, because that sort of thing, again, it makes... It humbles you, it focuses you on God, it focuses you on God, and um, I think that's just a really important, important tool to have in our toolbox on occasion. And again, Jesus doesn't specifically tell us how often we have to fast or for how long. We have immense discretion over that, okay? I don't want to burden consciences here this morning and just say, oh, if you don't fast three times a month, that's not enough. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that this is in Scripture and is prescribed for God's people, it is supposed to be a normal part of the Christian life, and I think this may be more than any other spiritual discipline. All of us, as a culture, myself, don't utilize as much as we should. So we're almost done here. Moving quickly toward the end, um, another reason to fast is to humble yourself before God. As I mentioned, it is a physical expression of humility. It is the opposite of wanting the attention and moving quickly here, I'm going to read you a passage from Luke 18:9. Sorry for the misprint there. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men up, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, "God, I thank you." that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, give tithes of all that I get. 
But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. It is possible to fast in vain. We have an example of it right here. You could fast and have no reward from God for it if you are fasting this way. There's no humility there. There's no dependence on God. It is simply a fast, a discipline that in the mind of this Pharisee gives him moral capital that makes him greater than this sinner over here who does not. And yet, he did not receive justification for his fast. So I think this, this, this um, humility before God um, in our fasting is very important um, and something that we ought not to neglect. Um, you can fast to express concern about the work of God, like on a global scale. Like, I'm worried about the church on a global scale. I want the, I want the word of God to go out. I want people to return in repentance to him. You could fast for that reason. And here, one that... Um, this is, Donald Whitney gave an example in his book. I won't read it just because we're short on time, but you can, you can fast to minister to the needs of others. How about this one? I know you're really struggling with this situation, whatever it might be, and, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to fast too. What would that make you feel like if someone told you they were fasting and praying for you? That is a powerful witness Now, lest we get the ego involved, you don't share it. If you dare to share it with someone that you're doing this for them, you don't share it in a way that makes you look like that Pharisee. We don't want that. But it can be, whether you choose to share it or not, a powerful way to help others. It's it's an amazing gift that we can give to someone, whether they know it or not. Um. We may fast also, another, another example, to overcome temptation or to dedicate yourself to God. Um, and the last reason to express, and I know I'm kind of running through the end here, but to express love and worship to God. Fasting reminds us what should, we should delight most in. God made us soul and body. God knows that we need food, okay? But man does not live by bread alone. But it reminds us every time, if we're in fasting and we're just like, it's amazing how much we think about food. It's amazing how much we love food. We need it. There's nothing ungodly about that. But when you feel those intense longs, you're like, oh my goodness, I have not eaten in like a long time. And you're just like, oh, I really would like to eat something. And then you think, we are not, in, in Philippians 3.19, it talks about um, people whose God is their belly. You know what I mean? The highest desire I have in this life, my highest priority is what I want and what makes me comfortable, okay? My own good, that is, that's the main thing. That's not us as believers. Fasting reminds us what we should delight most in, okay? The eternal God, the salvation he offers, deliverance from our sins, and the promise of eternal life with him. And I think that fasting is a way that maybe we should prayerfully consider uh, utilizing um, 
more than sometimes we do. Mine, I would throw myself at the beginning of that list. I have fasted before. Um, it is amazing the things that it will sometimes bring out um, or bring up or the longings or desires it will create. But I think just as we do with all Scripture, we have to trust God on this. It would not be in His Holy Word. It would not be preserved and given to us and, and prescribed for us as a normal part of our walk if there were not value to it. And uh, I know I hurried a little bit here toward the end. I just wanted to get through it. And I had a, a couple reference, references I wanted to correct. Do you guys have any thoughts here? Because I, I'm done. I, I ran through it to the end. Greg. Because I'd love to hear your thoughts, you know, potential applications, more questions. This is a tricky one, so. I just wanted to amen the fasting is not something that will, you know, is, is going to, you know, magically lead you closer to God. But no. it's, it's something to put you in the path of our Lord to take up a not a tradition, but an activity that he participated in and to use to an end, as you mentioned and Whitney mentions as well, that to attach fasting not as, a, as a, an end to itself, but as a means to, you know, pray more or Amen. to consider more, you know, yeah. something. Um, and pr- fasting and praying, you know, kind of go hand in hand. I just wanted to um, ask you, point out maybe or, or, or comment on um, the kind of food fasting that mm-hmm. we're familiar with, but yes. then also the other types of fasting that are, yes. are mentioned in the Bible. Like yes. Paul says, you know, do not, you know, um, I forget the way he says it, do not, you know, uh, f- deprive your partner of this sexual desire except for a time of prayer, things yes. like that. Yes, there are, and that's one of the best examples I could think of, Greg. Um, there are other kinds of fasts that may be done giving up something pleasurable so that when we have the desire for that pleasurable thing, we are drawn back and reminded of the purpose of our fast. And that's a great point. Fasting in and of itself, is not, it, it, is, it is not self-improvement, okay? And it is doing what God says to do and trusting on Him for the blessing, okay? We're not earning it. But that's a great point. And there are other ways, there are other ways to give up things that can be a fast as well. I completely agree. Other thoughts, questions? Because I said I'm well aware that this is a challenging and for us somewhat esoteric topic. We don't talk about fasting a lot. Yes, Wanda. Well, I I want you to clarify because I always thought you fasted. I know to grow closer to God, but you fasted to get his guidance. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pray for this person. Mm -hmm. I've been praying for him. Now I'm going to fast for him. Mm -hmm. But I kind of hear you saying no but then you got it listed mm-hmm. for guidance. I mean, I fasted once. I gave mm-hmm. up desserts because mm-hmm. that's my weakness for an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I got it. So could mm-hmm. you just clarify what well, you mean I, by like that? Like I said, if, if you're, we see examples of people um, like Old Testament Israel, New Testament, where they would be considering something or different options or looking for an answer, and they would fast to God um, to intensify their prayer and to look for an answer, okay? So it it is a pattern um, that we do see scripturally. It is not that we're earning an answer from God. If anything, it is a way to um, sort of quiet the other distractions. Um, One of the examples Whitney mentioned in his book is he found that when he gave up a meal every day, that would give him more time to think or pray or consider, you know, and he's praying, God, give me wisdom. But instead of eating, he would be thinking about it and um, I think that 
you know, we trust in God that if we're faithful for it, he will help us find an answer. But it's not earning something from God. Does that make sense, Wanda? Am I, am I cutting, the, you know, it's not earning an answer from God. It's just like, God, I just want to intensify my desire for you to lead me where I need to go. And I'm trusting on you, not trusting on my own strength. I'm purposely making myself a little more vulnerable, you know, and depending on you, please give me guidance what I should do. Mm-hmm. But not... If I do this, I will earn an answer from God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. I hope that makes sense. But yeah, no, I definitely in times when you're considering what to do, that can be a, a tool that we see in Scripture. Other thoughts here? Yeah. Thank you guys for being here. Um, oh, yes. Sorry. Who did I miss? I apologize. Carolyn. You're down here on my left. I need to look around. I just wanted to share, excuse me, before my surgery, I had a friend call me and tell me that she was fasting and praying for me that whole day, and she gave me the psalm that she was bringing before the Lord for me. I never once felt that her sharing that was for her glory, but just to say, you mean this much to me, this is a concern on my heart. But for me, I just, that encouraged me for weeks on end, just that she loved me enough to do this, Mm -hmm. that the Lord was listening to her, Mm -hmm. and just the encouragement of the scripture. Anyway, it was a blessing to me. So thank you for bringing that up, because it reminded me again of how precious that is as the recipient Mm -hmm. of someone doing that. That's that's, That's a an amazing example. Yeah. What a gift and, and what it meant to you and still means to you that someone did that for you. So I submit that that has, you know, a usefulness for us today. Thank you guys so much. We're five minutes over. I need to let you go, but hope you have a great week and thanks for coming. Next week, we'll have a a new chapter.